editor has jumping in real quick at the front up here to say, sorry last week about the late episode, and we had about 30 seconds of audio dropout on Gavin's track that somehow slipped through without me noticing. So double apologies there for the technical difficulties. We are completely back on track. You want to run this ship? Yes. Well, you can't. Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's not suckling the blood out of all these cows just to fuck with the FBI is Gavin. And this dog meat with me is Hess. I'm so scared and excited as to what that could imply for today's episode. But but before I can conjecture to that, we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. So, um, on an episode where Gavin presents a topic, the onus falls on me to bring in yeah. some diversion into the unlikely avenues of the English language that we call... Villainous vocabulary. The word that I have for you today is canopsia. K-E-N-O-P-S-I-A. Canopsia. The eerie, forlorn atmosphere of a place that is usually bustling with people, but is now abandoned and quiet. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes, the canopsia. That's what I get whenever reality renders outside. <laughs> Go on. Oh, did I not tell you about this? How it's, I'm absolutely certain that we're in a simulation of sorts. And it's because oh, no, you're, whenever, you've been listening to too much Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan, I, obviously. I don't listen to anything. That's my problem. But um, no, whenever whenever either like I'm sleepwalking and I go outside or like whenever I go outside unexpectedly, suddenly without a plan, like I'll just grab a cigarette or grab my jacket and go outside real quick. Everything is... Well, grab my dick and rub it on the lawn. Yeah, just grab my <laughs> dick and run outside for <laughs> furious pounding. Just, okay. Everything will just be dead ass quiet, mm -hmm. completely quiet. And there is always, like, ghostly, horrid noises of, of semi-trucks from 79. And there's always, like, some type of creature. There's always some type of wind... There's always some kind of thing that's making a lot of noise. There's always a fucking airplane outside, except whenever I go out there suddenly, and then it'll slowly build back up after I'm standing there for a second, realizing how dead quiet it is. The the wind, it, it's, it sounds like I'm still in a room whenever I'm outside. So you're saying you can run fast enough that you can outrun the sets that yeah. they already have built up around this set. Yes, I like, can run past the reality render for the for The, the Truman Show, but yeah. in digital. Like, he's going to be in the bathroom all day. We don't even have to bother with the living room today. Yes! <laughs> They're really lazy on the Gavin Show set. Yeah. Such low standards <laughs> over there these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. That's, yep. That's definitely it. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. So after we do the vocab, 
Gavin, it's uh, your responsibility to tell us... Canopsia. What is our monster today going to be? Well, okay, this is a really kind of really big vague one. I don't know if you'll get it, but you could get like one of them. And so we'll do that. Imagine, if you will, that you are a young adventurer who has uh, attributes in uh, the appearance and personality traits of somebody that was invented by yourself. And so you wake up and go to the adventure master who says to you as an introductory adventurer, there's a problem uh, somewhere in a cave or a sewer or something. So you go outside into your fantasy land full of elves and orcs that was just recently nuked or whatever, some type of fantasy background, and you enter the first level And walking down the corridors, you see the skeletal remains of previous adventurers, um, of an introductory loot box of some sort where you get out your simple dagger or uh, BB gun or low caliber pistol. You equip that, um, and then the introduction menu pops up and tells you to trace the path of uh, the creature that you're hunting by pushing whatever button. You see small footprints uh, that can't really be distinguishable from maybe it is a rodent, maybe it is a lizard. You can't tell, but you're following the trail down further and further into the sewer. We'll call it a sewer. Um, And you hear squeaking and scuttling and all kinds of indicators to tell you that you're about to come face to face with a giant rat. Okay. And so just the whole giant rat zone. The entire giant rat zone, including um, rats that are of unusual size. Oh, okay. I actually, that's, okay, that's interesting because I was was wondering in that I I had uh, rodents of unusual size on my long list. I thought that would be, I thought that would be a good kind of like soft topic. So, but you're including rats of unusual size, rodents of unusual size, but... This is just a b- whole big rat category. This is whole a whole big rat category, including skeevers from Skyrim, mole rats from Fallout, and radigators from Sewer Shark. Oh, shit. See, that's what I... <laughs> yeah. um, when you said dog meat, I thought, there's no way you're doing a Sewer Shark topic. But I was like, well, I guess he could. I can't remember what the fuck is in Sewer Shark. <laughs> yeah. Sewer Mart shoppers, we got a lovely assortment of monkeys bearing three, nine, or twelve. So, there, yeah, Sewer Shark, we'll get to Sewer Shark. All right. But yeah, the topic is I, I didn't think you were going to like get it, but um, I was going to throw in how you were the Dread Pirate Roberts as well, but. Okay. Well, that yeah. I did. I did actually forget to do. But yeah, we'll get. We'll get to. Okay. We'll get to RUSs and everything. But today's topic is giant rats of all flavors. Oh jeez, they're so. It's the the mind boils with furry t- monster with hungry for furry monstrosities. We've accidentally done two hungry furry 
you know, kind of clan monsters in a row here with um, with the crates oh, and, yeah. and yeah. rats. We've done, you know, swarms of hungry little furry things, which is Yeah, we got, odd. well, we got so into the consent. <laughs> the conceptual concept of like nostalgia that we forgot what the monster was, or I did. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> sometimes brains be that way. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. There's um so many fantasy and D and D video games that start off with rats and goblins. For sure. Can can you think uh, of an instance where that was actually in a tabletop session? <laughs> it's because something, I can't. <laughs> some, what, oh, well, actually, I mean, if you're going to say that exact combination, I yeah. was playing um, with some people in California. I think we played one or two sessions. It, wa- yeah. it wasn't D&D. It was, um, it was just like off-brand kind of like D&D related thing like Tome of the Abomination or some shit. It's like a, yeah. it, 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 it's a third party D&D style game that was actually seemed quite good um, and I was enjoying it and my player character was a goblin and yeah. he had um, I had coveted and hoarded the uh, head of a corpse that I had uh, gotten from somewhere, I had killed some some NPC for legitimate reasons, and yeah. I'd kept the head in a bat in my sack, and yeah. um, we'd gotten into the early part of some lair or some building we were investigating and got swarmed by swarms of rats. It seems like, I don't know, it's maybe it's only in fiction and in particularly role-playing situations that one actually gets swarmed by rats. So, uh, but we got swarmed (laughs) by rats and the one thing through years and years of role-playing I've learned uh, that when you're swarmed by, swarmed by rats is you can't just shoot them with a gun because there's, there's a lot of them. So you yeah. have to do something that has an area of effect. So yeah. um, we were fighting them, we were fighting them, and um, I was hiding up on top of a bookcase so they couldn't get me. And then what I did is I took out my head and I threw it across the room and they all went for the <laughs> head and I <laughs> fucked off. And it was, a, it, was nice. a, it was a great little piece of strategery, I think, on my yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Problem but, um, solving. Uh, yeah, they're... Uh, and they were probably giant because, but I I don't know. It's uh rats represent they're a very staple um, and fairly mundane part of early and low level gaming, and they yeah. seem to be in everything, right? They're they just, are in everything. Like, they're in every video game that I can think of. Yeah, I mean everybody knows what a rat is. They're they're kind of yeah. they're kind of worse than snakes in that they are, um, very truly a spreader of disease. Yeah. Um, and it seems just so easy to give them either um, a necromantic infection or radiation disease or yeah. that they're spreading the plague or, you know, it, it seems like they're a good vessel for other business, particularly yeah. infections. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say they're like a, a problem delivery system. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cam- Camus and and the plague definitely would corroborate that. 
Yeah, that's yeah. It happens in real life. In Skyrim, they give you a, a taxia, which is <laughs> which is like this shitty disease uh, that you get. Have you played Skyrim? I have seen a lot of Skyrim played. I very yeah. much get it, but I don't really. Okay, play. well, you get I, it. So I, I was a cat. You know I was a cat like man a... for like ten minutes, and then I was like, ah, it's all right. Yeah, it's it's a 3D world where you just kind of walk around. For sure, and, yeah. um, Whenever you have a taxi of the disease, it doesn't tell you, and you don't suffer from anything except for, like, a couple of minuses to uh, sword swinging. Okay. Like, like some, combat, some combat hindrances that aren't very significant. So you just have this ataxia disease that will tag you... Um, as disease, so NPCs will say things like, you don't look too well. <laughs> like, you look under the weather. <laughs> okay. You seem a bit shaky. And every time an NPC says that, you end up going, ah, fuck, I have a taxia from a fucking skeever. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> But it doesn't have like significant mechanical no, detriment. No, you don't. You don't lose health. You don't lose the other stamina bar. You don't like. Yeah. Okay. It's not obvious in combat that <laughs> you just get this dialogue tag where NPCs bring up that you look sick. <laughs> huh. Okay. And then you have to either find a shrine to heal yourself, or go through some, or drink a potion that's easily made. And it's kind of just narratively annoying. Yeah, that make I mean, I can I can get behind that as a game design element. Yeah, I really I think it's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good one. It's Skyrim. I can't believe how well made Skyrim is because I've I've I revisited about every three years or so, three or four years. I'll pick up Skyrim again and have like. Two to three hundred hours of what feels like a brand new game. <laughs> and I don't care about the graphics. I don't care that I've done most of this shit before because it's always done in a different way. They, and they the do way a lot that with they, it. Yeah, the way that Skyrim is made is like a 100% like sandbox Lego build. You can do so many different, approach everything so many different ways. That I still am finding stuff, and I haven't even modded the game yet. Bethesda's not bad. On on the opposite side of that, there's um, Fallout's Mole Rats that are because they're both Bethesda games. Mole Rats are pretty similar to Skeevers. Okay. Um, in the sense that they are an annoyance delivery system. The mole rats transmit radiation whenever you're bit by them. Oh, um, they're, which, they're fugly looking little things too. Oh, yeah, the mole rats are terrible. They come out of the ground uh, from out of nowhere um, in the 3D versions of the game. In the top-down early versions of the game, you can see everything coming. And, of course, and the only purpose they really serve uh, once you're past, like, level 5 is to consume ammunition, which in the early right. Fallout games is, like, is so scarce, it's ridiculous. <laughs> They're like a, a grind trap, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge grind trap. And um the <laughs> a funny thing about mole rats ambushes in Fallout is Fallout 4 has a settlement building aspect to it where you can enter into the building mode and dismantle parts of the terrain and the mole rat ambush hole will register as ambush and you can't dismantle it or anything, but it's still there like as a leftover 
piece from like the the game design because it has to be there. Other than yeah, skeevers and mole rats show up um, right at the very beginning and continue. This is the thing I was saying. Continue to be present in the game. They continue to be like a, a either a plot device. Like sometimes uh, somebody's pet mole rat will be wounded. They're, they're a fan of that. Um, sometimes somebody will have uh, a legendary mole rat terrorizing somewhere. You gotta take us all the way, kid. Your new call sign is Rat Breath. There, there is certainly something fundamental about using rats. Particularly, they seem to have power in games. I think the, the, they're easily rendered. You can always imagine that they would be in practically every environment. Yeah. Uh, and, right, they're, a, they're like a problem delivery system, whether your problem is magical or being spied on by the big bad <laughs> disease. <laughs> yeah. What, like, whatever you need to get your, your players into trouble with, it seems like rats can, can make that happen. Yeah. For some reason, um, well, it's not technically rats, but the, the teenage mutant Ninja turtle Mauser bots, yeah. By Baxter Stockman's invention yeah. for some reason seem to keep coming up to me because they, they, they have a a radish quality in that they swarm and they devour. Yeah. And that they're kind of an an NPC henchman beast. And they're just creepy yeah. and they just bite you to death is the idea. Yeah, and didn't Sh Shredder like use them to try and find Splinter? Oh, probably. Who was in fact a rat? Yeah, I think that was and that's how they introduced the Rat King. Which Rat Kings we could get into. Do That's you know a what whole, a Rat King is? <laughs> yeah, I certainly know what a Rat King is. I wonder, is there, are there, are there evidenced pieces, are we positive that Rat Kings are not Apocrypha? Um, like um, Rat King. Um, rat Kings have definitely yeah, happened. Yeah, like, okay. because, because swarms of rats will definitely do that if left unattended and writhing in filth for so long. I would assume that rats, um, or like any type of pest, would become jumbled together and <laughs> well, hopelessly locked in grime if that's all that they have available to move in. But right. no, I don't think rat kings are uh, a thing that choose to come out of the sewer and terrorize people. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who have no fucking idea what we're talking about, the yeah, there is a... Um, there is this great and terrible, I'll call it an urban legend, about yeah. um, a rat king is supposedly that a, a portion of a nest of rats that live in a sewer or some tight confine will, thanks yeah. to the um, detritus uh, that is kind of mucked onto them and the, the, their close proximity and the windiness of their tails... Somehow their tails will get knotted around each other and they will turn into like this ball of of wild, interminable, biting rats. The you know, that is yeah. the whole width of the corridor that you're like um dieharding through at the moment, and they will come at you as just this this swarm of nightmarish tooth and claw business. 
and rend you apart tiny bite by <laughs> tiny bite. Yeah. yeah, there there are these so the thing is that there are these um centuries old specimens like if you look up there's a the largest yeah. specimen is 32 rats discovered in 1828 in Altenburg, Germany. Yeah. Um, and you can go look at it and it sure, certainly is a big dead pile of rats when, and it looks yeah. as if their tails are all kind of like swirled around each other. But the thing is, it, it, it's, it appears that there's just no definitive case that this actually occurs such that you will ever, it just, we haven't ever found it, you know, nobody's ever gone on record as having legitimately been attacked by a big swarming pile of rats that could not extricate themselves from each other. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah. se- it seems as if there are all sorts of certainly plausible reasons why a big pile of rats that are all facing outward from each other would die all at once, right? You know, yeah. they would get stuck drowning or they would get you know, closed into an area that they couldn't get out or suffocate. I mean, rats live in the most bizarre circumstances in the, in the negative spaces of human reality. So it seems that the likelihood that you could find one of these, um, bizarre cases of many of them being dead in a bizarre and rotten pile, that seems like you could definitely explain, you could definitely explain why you would find that, but certainly it is disturbing to come upon, so the the er, the legend of the Rat King, although it makes a very terrifying story, I'm curious. I, I, it seems very unlikely that you yeah. <laughs> that it either exists or <laughs> that you'll have to worry about it. Yeah, the fact that that can happen though, like a, a pile of living things uh, becoming a miserable bundle of that of of <laughs> viciousness, it looks like wax. Um, probably adds to the concept of giant rats and rats in general of being like antagonists, like something used by uh, a bigger evil to be sent forward or uh, guard certain entrances, like secret entrances and stuff in like fantasy games and things like that. Like just the history of the rat being so miserable and overpopulated. How do I want to say this? So rats certainly have a rise in significance with essentially human beings living in societies, like living in particularly cities, right? Yeah. That, you know, a rat is just one of many pests when you're a rural agrarian person and a sheep herd and how people lived for a couple of thousands of years. But once you cram, like, people into an area where they're all shitting and pissing and and eating food and and, <laughs> yeah. and leaving trash everywhere in big heaping piles then you've got yeah. a, you've got a thing that becomes to represent urbanness itself you know i mean cuz really rats are as synonymous with city as any animal they kind of beat out the pigeon because the pigeon is so mundane yeah. Uh, and, you know, the pigeon can't come to symbolize a terrible plague upon, you know, the player characters because it's just a fucking pigeon. So the, the, uh, rats have become a multi-purpose symbol for decay or disease or danger or the, the, the areas that you should not tread because they are unsafe or unclean or any other possible taboo. Um, 
and they're the they're the ultimate vermin, right? They're yeah. the ultimate nuisance animal. And we have this natural disgust of them as as pests that we don't have for most other animals. So imagine Yeah, not even mice. Yeah, because yeah, I was actually mentioned because we're um we're we're using mouse traps in a project at school, you know, like and some kid was calling them rat traps. I'm like, no, 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 no. These are <laughs> no, these are not these are, these are not rat big. these are not rat traps. Uh, you know, you have to imagine that your your rat is a all the way evolved Pokemon version of your mouse. Um, <laughs> there <laughs> there are a couple of orders of magnitude between this and that. A mouse is a cute cute little thing that will eat some of your crackers. A rat is a real fucking thing. It's a real yeah. it's a real problem. I'm transferring you to the spineless moron department. Dismissed. So there's Ben the movie from 1972 that had the famous Michael Jackson song for some reason that went around it. Oh, no. I was going to talk about Willard, but not Ben. Well, Ben, well, Willard was the precursor. (laughs) Are you talking about the modern Willard with what's his name? The creepazoid guy? Yeah. Um, Because there's two Willards. There's a Willard from 1971. uh, And then there's the modern Willard with with, Crispin Glover. With Crispin Glover. Um, professional creepazoid. Oh, no, I did know about Ben. Yeah, and, I just didn't make any notes about it. <laughs> ben, ben has a confusingly sad-ass song sung by, sung by um, the very young, prepubescent Michael Jackson, which is the only Jackson, reason that anybody cares about Which is about called it. Ben, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, what what occurs to you about the Willard movie where Crispin Glover plays a... Um, down the middle parted, um, you know, kind of reject from society who uh, unleashes his personal dissatisfaction yeah. of about his well, station in life as a, an army of swarming rats on his foes. The strangest thing, I think, about the Willard movie is that Crispin Glover t- isn't necessarily acting. <laughs> you think he's just... You think he... <laughs> You think that Crispin Glover is at all times just surrounded by an invisible swarm of monsters that are his hench, hench creatures in, in his own mind, and somebody just decided of to course. Fil- film it and fill it in with CGI rats? Of course. Have you seen his interviews? That's exactly what he thinks. No. He- people that have run into <laughs> Crispin Glover say that he is exactly that odd. Um, yeah. That he's not... He's not um, it's not a game he's playing. He's just... That fucking bizarre. Dark meat! You lick gutter balls! Yeah, I've seen a, a bunch of, like, outtakes, like a, like an entire collection of outtakes um, where he just ruins entire shots because something isn't right. Uh-huh. And uh- he'll, he'll do this, like, 10 to 20 times in a row. <laughs> like, like, he'll, he'll point out, um... Like that, a towel in a scene is is changed from where it was, and if you want a good movie, then you have to keep all of that, which which makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's not doing like a bad thing, but he's doing it um, constantly and in a terrible way. <laughs> Watching the movie Willard after learning how Crispin Glover really is uh, kind of changes the entire movie completely. Like, kind of makes it seem like a documentary about Crispin Glover. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. And so <laughs> I think very quickly, and this is going to make sense why um, in a moment, we're very quickly 
determining, I think we're turning Brad Dourif into our, like, super, our super character actor for yeah. our films. I am reading two life forms on your level that could be them. Because something else that comes up to me is it, it, synonymous with deadly rat um, media is Graveyard Shift. The, oh, uh, yeah. The famous story and um, film from Stephen King origin, obviously. Yeah, that yeah. That is um, about a team of... Uh, exterminators and workers at a factory who are overcome by an out an outsized uh, trouble with rats and uh, and Brad Dourif plays the kind of um, uh, <laughs> napalm rat napalmer rat, yeah. uh, anti-rat sociopath expert who yeah. comes in and uh, spits tobacco on the floor and Rants about how you can you cannot uh, you cannot pull any punches when dealing with these little fanged devils. Take it from me. There's only one way to deal with their kind, and it uh, doesn't turn out very well for him. Is is basically what I recall. Um, I've read the, I've read reread the story more recently than I watched the entire movie. We were going to watch it. But um, as soon as like the first scene got to a point where it, was, it demonstrated that this was going to be a, a, a scene about killing a bunch of rats, my partner was like, nope, no, 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 not today. Yeah. And I just like turned it off um, out of mercy. So I actually have not watched it recently, but I have read the story and, you know, it's Stephen King. It's what it is. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And it's, it's scary. Um, and I think that, you know, and it, it's kind of, that kind of like gives me, it reminds me like a lot of Stephen King, Stephen King kind of has a dial where is like something that is possibly scary could kill you or something that is totally mundane. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. and rats are kind of like, yeah, rats are inherently a little bit scary because they're disgusting and there can be lots of them and they might surprise you. And if you yeah. die, they might eat your body. Okay, right. They've got some scary elements yeah, to Yeah, there them. is that. But yeah. then also there's like cars and lawnmowers and the other random shit that Stephen King decides is going to be scary because he hasn't like <laughs> yeah. he hasn't written a new idea in the last 15 minutes. So it's going to be microwave ovens are going to come to life and send us all to hell or something. <laughs> See, there's this lamp. But it's and a possessed it's lamp. Yeah, It's a possessed lamp. <laughs> Your grandmother's in the lamp, Charlie. Guess what you don't understand? They won't believe you. You take it, to the, take it to the school principal, they won't believe your grandmother's in the lamp. Go ahead. Speaking of Graveyard Shift, the movie, there must be some type of rat noise soundbite that uh, movies use for rats every time. Because I've heard it... Um, Ever since uh, Temple of Doom, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I know every Indiana Jones movie, like inside and out, word for word, even when like the vampire bats chirp and everything, and the rats make a noise in Last Crusade and Temple of Doom that must be the same soundbite that they used for Graveyard Shift and like fifty other movies whenever uh -huh. there's a rat. Which is kind of like a small growling that goes like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, as 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 um, 
maybe paranoid as that sounds. Um, yeah. There is a phenomenon of that that happened in the, it's either the 40s or the 50s with Hollywood frogs. Because yeah. uh, frogs and toads make a whole pan- panoply of different, you know, oh, a- yeah. a- audio um, it, it just expurgations. But yeah. because there were these certain frogs in, in Southern California during the period of time where people were creating a sound bank of, we need some frog sounds and some toad sounds, and now we're going to make, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're going we're gonna, to uh, make all these um, Western shows, and then once they got all of those, they just kept using them. You know, it's kind of like the Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream, but for frogs yeah. and toads. So that no yeah. matter what fucking frog or toad you had, they all sounded exactly the same. They all had the same ribbit sound and the same crick crick and the same crick crick. And it yeah. didn't fucking matter what it was. It was just they were all getting that same sound, and I'm absolutely <laughs> positive that there is a, uh, at least during a period, there was a high percentage of that same thing where somebody got a whole bunch of raw rat or foleyed some fake rat, and then it sounded yeah. good, and everybody's like, okay, rats sound like that, and they either stole it from each other or they replicated the same sounds over and over again. <laughs> well, you heard her! Do you have a one to jump on right now, or should I step on one? Because I've got one. Go ahead, step on it. Step on this rat. Well, this is this is a chunky topic. Um, yeah. Which is I and I've taught this subject as a a way to understand radio media um, is one of the most popular and successful radio thrillers was a show starring. Uh, Orson Welles and Vincent Price. That was I. Th- I want to say it's the uh, early '40s. It's called Three Skeleton Key. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, nope. If you look it up, it's a really famous radio drama. Tonight, we escape to a lonely lighthouse off the steaming jungle coast of French Guiana. And the premise of the radio drama is that these uh, these three weird characters are uh, have signed up to be lighthouse workers on a teeny tiny little island, a key um, yeah. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? I see. And okay. um, it's a tiny little hard scrabble pile of rocks with a, a lamp house on it, with a lighthouse. And they're left there and, uh, you know, maybe a week, two, three weeks into it, they're, they're doing the humdrum business of, of manning the lighthouse and being old, old timey workers when suddenly they see drifting on the horizon, a great big three mast ship that is lilting directionlessly with the vicissitudes of the ocean, but unfortunately the wind is drifting it right at them. And as it gets closer, the main character as articulated by Vincent Price. So, uh, delectably, he, um, gets out his, his glass and observes what's going on. And the reason that the ship is drifting is because it's not quite a ghost ship. It's a rat ship. And (laughs) maybe at one point it was a ghost ship and that it was unmanned, but now it is populated entirely by 
a, uh, a innumerable swarm of sea rats. And the other two <laughs> characters come out and they scream and they beg and they, they pull out their hair and gnash their teeth, hoping that it will change course. But of course, it inevitably comes right at the tiny island. And before it can get to them, they see the carpet of rats swimming the distance to get to them. And they run up into the lighthouse and they close the steel door at the bottom and they and one of them gets one of the rats gets in before they get it all closed and it takes a big nasty bite out of the big Orson Welles character and they are then held hostage inside of this uh, lighthouse for a series of days as they have kind of this odd. Um, scenario where they ca- the rats can see them through the panes of glass, but they can't get in, and it yeah. it, it 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 fairly efficiently drives them insane. And the three huh. characters handle this in um, different layers of, uh, I guess, mental fortitude and success. And I won't spoil it for you if this sounds at all mm, compelling. Uh, it's like 30 minutes long that you can get it on YouTube, like nine different places. Um, it is really, really good old radio drama and I won't, I won't tell you how it ends, but it is good, uh, early rat content. Um, (laughs) and just like, Price always brings it amazing Vincent Price, amazing Orson Welles prior to being a uh, director and still in the radio days, just great, uh, silver age of cinema stuff. And I, when I, when I think scary rats, I think three skeleton key because I, it's just pure storytelling gold. And um, it is also a perfect example of how you can make rats scary as fuck. And that it, and it also that seems like a situation, the very, very rare situation. You're like, that could really happen. And it would be a true nightmare. That's not just like, you know, some video yeah. game sending a rat with glowing eyes at me because it's amusing and they couldn't think of something else. That's like, yeah. that shit could happen. Is it likely? Yeah. No. But, you know, weirder things have occurred. We're just going to wait here for a little while until things quiet down, if you don't mind. <laughs> Hi there, my name is Douglas Raffensperger and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy dandy short handled half guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. 
So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Have you seen Rats, Night of Terror? It's a <laughs> no. 1984 Italian movie. Uh, no, um, I can't say I've seen Rats, Night of Terror. It's got uh, Massimo Vanni in it, if you remember who um, Massimo Vanni is. He, well, I'm seeing it. He looks like a, a kind of a puppet. What is This is weird. Um, who's Massimo Vanni? He looks like the he looks like an Italian Gerard Depardieu. What yeah, are these fucking standing rat people? Depardieu. What is this image I'm seeing? <laughs> what are you What are you doing to me? <laughs> what? Showing you rats night of terror? What is I don't this? know. I was wondering if you've seen it because I haven't. And it looks uh, bonkers. This <laughs> I cannot deal with this. <laughs> Man, rat with just dude eyes. I cannot. It is like, are you? Do you know the image I'm talking? There's a few of these. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah, there's there's a big people. nope, 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 nope for me on this. Well, the the movie apparently nope. is about the end of the world. People live underground, and the people that live underground hear about a, a laboratory on the surface that could solve all the problems. So they go up there. But the laboratory <laughs> no. is run by rat people who see humans as the rats since they live underground and all of that crap. You get it. You get the metaphor. <laughs> uh, it bothers me. Much bother. Great dislike. What is it about what is it about Italian directors being able to make things so fucking horrible? I and I don't I just don't no. It just gets me. Gets me right in... <laughs> right in the rat guts. Yeah. Woof. Blah. Really don't like it. Do you really think don't like rats it. are scary? I was wondering about that. I don't have a particular thing about rats, no. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't either, but some people do. I have witnessed people freak the fuck out about uh, rats. I don't have and, much of anything about any particular animal, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's insects that get me. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, um, yeah, some insects bother I me. Mean, this the house centipede really makes me fucking squirm. Yeah, see, that's that was my theory on it because Blah. rats have features that are similar to everything else. Like they're mammals. Like yeah, they, they have, have eyes. They got a, that they you got a personality. They got a little yeah. face. Yeah, they got a little. And, and insects just have this alien, like right, like composited from. Spikes and different parts of things that you couldn't imagine having, like any type of personality other than the thing that wants to kill you and eat yeah. you and impregnate you with its young. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Lots of insects seem like machines that have been like animated with fairy magic. Where yeah, th- that where rats. <laughs> if I bashed a, a rat with a claw hammer afterward, I might be like, oh, sorry, rat. Oh, god, yeah. sorry, uh, rat. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, they just have, they have just enough personality where they're like ah too much. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's and mice especially because mice have um like more uh, way more gentle eyes than rats do. Oh, and they're just cute it's, little bastards. It's like they're 
yeah, they're just too much of prey. It's like, and, that would be too and easy, mice, and I'm not going to yeah. get anything out of that if I eat it. Yeah, and a, a mouse is never going to just, like, and I'm now, uh, your, your corpse is not going to be gone because a hundred mice made it disappear, like, the day after yeah. you left. Yeah, I don't even think a hundred mice happened. <laughs> You're probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to I mean this may be more appropriate to bring up toward the end but I'm I'm just I, since we're freeballing here we can't we Yeah, can't, this is a freeball. We can't fail to mention um Winston Smith's ultimate terror at the end of 1984, right? Where the yeah. the main character of 1984 the you know the if you don't know the novel 1984, dear readers, I don't, I don't know. I don't. You are no longer a dear reader. But um, yeah. spoiler alert: at the end of it, he is confronted with his his ultimate fear in the interrogation that um, you know, quote unquote, Big Brother and the system puts him through in order to to quote unquote um, rat out his fellow conspirators uh, and to to say. To, to give up the ghost, to give up all of the worst possible betrayals that Winston could imagine having to betray. And what they do is they put him in this contraption that is a, yeah. a mask that is a cage, right? Yeah. And then there's a, a couple of, of cage barriers between him and, a, and, you know, nine or ten wild, voracious rats. And what they do is they interrogate him and it's very apparent what's going on. And they lift one wall of, and the rats run at him. And if they, if they go all the way, then he's going to get, uh, he's going to get cheesified. He's going to get eaten slowly. Uh, his face is going to get eaten by rats. No, not the bees. uh, If that was like good and made sense. Yeah, if it was if it made sense, it was better. the The medieval uh, torture fork, you know, the thing that goes into your chin oh, yeah. and into the, your clavicle, the heretic's fork. Yeah, is it, yeah. it goes they, into the bottom of your chin and then into yeah your clavicle or your chest, well, and so that you can't any shift that you do pushes the fork either farther into your chin or into your uh, chest. Yeah, there was a a method of using that in combination with the rat cage around your groin. Ooh, yeah. I think Yeah. I think Charlie and I may have hit that when we did cuz we did medieval tor- we did medieval torture as a topic in English in in uh, high school. Um, yeah. I think we might have gotten that and there cuz there's also the here, here's this one. I wonder if this one is true. Um because this was a this was a trope or a cliche in Western movies in the mid twentieth century was um, the rat on the belly of the victim, right? And then the victim yeah. is is tied up, laid out in the hot sun, and then I iron cast iron pan over the rat on the belly, right? Yeah. You heard this one, right? Yes. And then so the heat from the heat from the pan and the hot. New Mexico sun or whatever inevitably creates a um, rock and a hard place dynamic for the rat, and yeah. um, so it, has to, it, ha- it has to it has to go through you rather than through the pan. I wonder. Yeah. I'm curious if that was a thing that was just um, uh, apocryphal, 
or whether that was a, a, a true myth, so to speak, or, or whether that was just p- pure malarkey. <laughs> if there was a torture conceived, then there was a torture done, definitely. Yeah, people, in history, are, the, people are the worst. People are the worst. I'm sorry that rats brought up the worst in history, but <laughs> <laughs> but damn, people, you are messed up. Okay, so Wikipedia has a whole rat torture um, section. Oh, it's not that long. Yeah. During the Dutch Revolt, Diederik Sonoy, an ally of William the Silent, is documented to have used a method where a pottery bowl filled with rats was placed on the was placed open side down on the naked body of a prisoner. When hot charcoal was piled on the bowl, the rats would gnaw into the very bowels of the victim in an escape in an attempt to escape the escape the heat. Well, shit yeah. in a bag. Remind me to not participate in a Dutch revolt anytime soon. Shit. <laughs> I I'll remind you of that. <laughs> okay. I want to hit one of the other things in this Wikipedia about um, rat torture. Yeah. Is, I'm I'm sorry, everyone in advance. This might be a skip ahead 30 seconds. If you have, um, yeah, if you're, if you're feeling like on the edge, yeah, just skip ahead 30 seconds or a minute. So in, um, in Uruguay during the civic military dictatorship of 1973 to 85, and in Chile during the dictatorship of, uh, Pinochet, and in Argentina during the uh, national reorganization process, um, there was the detailed use of a torture method known as the rectoscope, pri- yeah. preserved, I'm sorry, reserved primarily for Jewish prisoners, which consisted of inserting living rats into a victim's rectum or vagina through yeah. a tube. And Amnesty International has documented um, the cases of this happening. So, human beings are the worst. They're worse than fiction. Real human business (laughs) is the worst. I'm sorry. I was trying to get to uh, Princess Buttercup. Yeah, please (laughs) get us back on to something of a more charming orientation. What are the three terrors of the? Um, there's the this the fire, the spitty, the shitty, the shitty fire, right? Yeah. The b- 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 fire. I forget what it's called. Yeah. There's the ROUSs, and I forget what the third one is now. What's the third one? I knew it. I knew you were bluffing. I knew he was bluffing. Oh, the bog. Isn't there a swampy element? You fall yeah. into holes or something. You see, right? There's yeah. This the quicksand. The quicksand. The quicksand. Yeah. The gouting fire and the rodents of unusual size. <laughs> and the rodents of unusual size. I doubt they even exist. <laughs> and then immediately, a very lame puppet uh, is thrown yeah. thrown at him off off screen by a a strong armed gaffer. <laughs> And he, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he does a, um, a charming blonde man's best version of a, a WWF routine against this um, <laughs> vacuous, <laughs> limp-kicking puppet. But, uh, you know, I even as a kid, I was like, eh, it looks kind of lame. Dark meat! You lick gutter balls! I, I thought that the Princess Bride was uh, kind of 
trying to be instructive towards my ultimate uh, tween goal of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, <laughs> you're going to be presented with a problem and a monster, and what you need to do is put the monster in that problem. And so I was waiting for that to happen in games for so long before I realized that it's just kind of up to the dungeon master to trail off and give you a bunch of bad guys you can't beat. Right. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I I will say even as a, a tween consuming the Princess Bride, it did have a yeah. it did have a bit of a suspension of disbelief problem, where I would go that doesn't. I mean, even in a movie that has a lot of potential for kicking you out of your suspension of disbelief, it's just a little yeah. bit farther into the fakiness. Um, yeah, and where you're like, look at that dumb puppet. That's a dumb puppet. Ah, 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 ah. Uh, but the thing is, the comedy and the mm, inertia of the film is such that it really doesn't does ruin anything. It just yeah. it just is like okay, there's that. You got the dramatic score. You've got the the handsome rogue. It you well, make it aren't through. you Fred Savage? <laughs> yeah. I I this am. is lame. This is lame. You know what? I like. No, it. I, I actually. <laughs> <laughs> but only regarding the R O U S. I'll put it that way. Like, yeah, I, 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 know, I always love the movie. Every, everything about it is is gangbusters. Um, yeah, but it Princess is Princess Bride. Yeah, phenomenal. Simply incredible. Do you remember Sewer Shark? <laughs> yes, I do. From. Yes, we can <laughs> let let's let's let, yeah let's get into rail shooters and sewer sharks because this is the like a lot of the bulk here. Well, <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> yeah, we can cover sewer shark, and I don't know how much the audience is going to be able to handle from us after that. But I so know, I know. sewer shark was a <sighs> first person rail shooter on Sega CD. Um, so. It was, yeah. First on home console, it was like uh, one of the flagship games for the Sega it was, CD. It was like it actually it, it came, came with the first, with, it came yeah. with the first um, iteration of Sega CD. So if you, you know a lot yeah. of a lot of game systems like Sonic coming with Sega Genesis or Mario and Duck Hunt coming with Nintendo, well, yeah. they wanted to have something that you would play with, play with, even if you were a, a broke ass kid when you bought your Sega CD, <laughs> yeah. and they gave you fucking Sewer Shark. Attention, Sewer Mart shoppers! We got a lovely assortment of monkeys bearing three, nine, or twelve. Yeah, the plot of Sewer Shark did this thing where that, that's starting to come back in a big way, which is. Um, writers either don't give a shit or don't seem to know the fucking difference between post-apocalypse and dystopia. I... And they say that it's a post-apocalyptic dystopia, um, it, like a city called Solar City, which is like, you can't really have both. You can't have the end of the world and then dystopia. Are like, you are <laughs> you trying to imply that the creators of mid to, of sewer shark. Uh, mid to late nineties Sega video games did not have a cohesive science fiction narrative in mind when they're creating these properties? How dare you, sir? A dog breath or whatever your name is. That was one lousy run. Why should I waste uh waste? Well, 
Well, my bigger critique is that it's happening on like Netflix shows, or they're being like labeled wrong. Like Terminator's oh, labeled well, as dystopian. The labeling is a whole different kettle. The of fish. labeling is a yeah, different thing. No. But yeah, everybody, you got to know that those are two different things. I right. Mean, come on. Well, so anyway, you're distracting from the fact shark, of how fucking nonsensical Sewer Shark is. Yeah, where you play a sewer jockey whose job it is to exterminate dangerous and mutated rats uh, to keep the sewers clean for Solar City, the island paradise, which the evil Commissioner Stenchler, played by Robert Costanzo... <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> The juxtaposition of the extreme danger and pointlessness of your task really dangerously undercut the repetitive and miserable experience of playing Sewer Shark. Because let me tell you, kids, if you don't know what a rail shooter is, don't look it up. (laughs) But this fucking game... Was basically you were the you had a perspective where you were supposed to be looking forward. Imagine that you're like Luke yeah. Skywalker, like flying your Y wing or whatever. So you're looking yeah. out the front of a cockpit of this dumb, like super fast sewer ship that goes relentlessly at like 150 miles an hour for some reason, and the actual danger of the game is that some dickhead off screen with a with his name duct taped on his helmet is screaming at you what directions you have to go in three um, direction chunks. So he'll go six, six, yeah. niner. Three, niner, 12. Which means you have to go down, yeah. down, left. And yeah. so I will say that through um, a slow motion... Uh, misery ride of weeks and weeks of trauma and losing at this game hundreds and hundreds of times, I can reflexively go 3, 6, 12, or 9-er instantly. (laughs) I will never never forget the clock face directions. But essentially, if you do one of those things wrong, you make a right turn, go down a blind alley, and fucking explode. Because that's how municipal workings go. Hilariously. And that's that's the two hundred and fifty dollar uh, Sega CD console experience you can. Expect. <laughs> Is that what we paid for? I have no fucking idea. Yeah, and well, the the video footage for Sewer Shark was directed and shot by John Dykstra. <laughs> wow. So like, yeah, yeah. For, what that's worth, which I guess is $250 per Sega CD. <laughs> yeah, Sewer Shark called out the directions and then gave you a bunch of targets to shoot. And all you really had to do was remember the directions while developing your hand-eye coordination to shoot giant rats. Yeah, it didn't... It was, it was very clear, even kind of while consuming it, that what they had was a technology... You know, they were... They were the quids at they were Paul Atreides trying to ride a giant sandworm of technology that they did not comprehend the yeah. implications of. The sleeper has awakened. You know, with the video yeah. with the video capture and like how much space it would take up and how difficult it would be to cram all that data onto the CD and make it usable and how it would crush their imagery. So essentially you had like 
we can barely fit this game onto this at our best computing strength. So yeah. it's going to get folded and folded and refolded into a thing that is barely even a game, and yeah. you're going to like it, right? <laughs> and Yeah, and we did. I mean, I played the shit out of Sewer Star. We for played like, the shit Sewer out Shark, of Sewer, Sewer Shark. Shark for a we few months. We had to beat it. Because there was, there was something really, like, flagellatingly masochistic about Sewer Shark, and I don't yeah. know why I didn't immediately throw it out the window. I think maybe it was the pot commitment to the, the Sega CD experience at all. But I would say that, like, another game... I don't know. Did we play more of Ground Zero Texas? Ground Zero Texas could be beat uh, the first time you play it within 15 minutes and was not worth dog shit. But, it had, but at least it had, like, drama and a plot. And like, not at all. Yeah, there's there's aliens and oh no, come get these aliens. Yeah, and there was a bunch of that, but it 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 advertised that it had different endings and it didn't. Uh, yeah, okay. Like it it had different paths I that see. came to, to the, the same, same ending. ending. To the same ending. Right? Yeah. Well, back then you could you could there's your audience was not that discriminating about that difference. Yeah, it's like never the same never the same game ne- twice yeah, well, except well, it's one of two games over and over again. <laughs> Look at those total dog meat. They let reconstituted frog slime. I'm shipping you back to flight school. See how you like flying the desks, my brain. Yes. Um, I do have a tabletop giant rat encounter. It was, uh, with like a, a, it was a real quick pickup game. Um, we didn't have anything to do and it was between Paul, uh, myself and some guy that we called bat. (laughs) And, um, we were, we were going to play, uh, Kobolds ate my babies. Yeah, right. And we got into Kobolds ate my babies, and there was like a a giant rat fight, um, either in the game or somebody had to make up like a giant rat fight. And so whenever, uh, whenever we came to the to the part with the rats and everything, there were no statistics for giant rats, so we didn't know what to do, and we didn't have enough dice to play either. And we were drinking, and so Paul changed it to Giant Bat, since the guy's nickname was Bat. And the the entire night ended with um, us being drunk and wearing pots on our heads, like the kobolds in the picture, and like going outside into the world, um, pretending to be kobolds, and claiming that we're fighting giant bats. And I think <laughs> we almost got arrested. And that's my tabletop rat story. <laughs> Well, like many an episode of Oops All Monsters, we have determined that it is us that are really the rats. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> who's, who's the real monster? Who's the real rat in this situation? Is it, is it, is, 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 is it Bitchin' Van Art? Um, are rats... Bitchin' Van Art? Bitchin' Van Art? Mm, no. Giant rats. I'm, no. No. Mm, no. No. <laughs> that, was, that, that, was an, that was an easy one. Um, that, oh, man, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is it, is it, is it, is, is, is it bitchin' van art? The segment on the show. 
properly describe all the fucking goblins. And fire away. Oh! <laughs> uh, talk about a couple of rats. Talk about a couple of rats. Look at these handsome uh, rebels. Goblin-faced rat machines. Goblin-faced rat rebels. I guess a kobold is a rat goblin. Well, So who are we looking at here? We are looking at Iggy Pop, I think. Yeah, he just and yeah, uh, and Nick Cave. Yeah, I, I I have to assume that it's Iggy Pop based only on his torso because he's making a face that isn't his. Yeah, he's got a he's got a patent <laughs> he's got a patented freaky torso, which has been yeah <laughs> freaky since like 1968. Yeah, yeah he he looks like so, he's been he looks like he's been made of like beef jerky and razor wire since the early yeah. 70s. Yeah, this is definitely a case of the Goblin King and his favorite henchmen. <laughs> where the Goblin King do, is, is it some does kind have of big, It does have big that, Pixar yeah. henchmen vibes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. where, so, like, young, young Nick Cave and his colossal nostrils are kind of, like, gazing downward in this, this um, grainy black and white photo from the before times uh, off screen. And um, perennially shirtless, uh, old-timey uh, Iggy Pop is looking at him with, a, I would call it, a weird old TV hillbilly face. I don't know how to... Yeah. He's making a, like, ooh, kind of ooh. like, like oh, <laughs> oh. Do, uh, what do you think about this, master? Kind of, like, um, cartoon henchman vibe? Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a goblin henchman and his goblin half elf king. <laughs> yes, it it reminds me of um kind of a a nineteen eighties Dungeons and Dragons book about like a drow and his like gnomish slave <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right, his spare nibbling yeah. uh, forced companion, and they he's just yeah, dropped is... off of his. A floating disc in order to uh, observe observe the mating rituals of some dwarves or something. Yeah, this is this is Driss Du Nick Cave. <laughs> um, and yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Iggles Poplar. Yeah, Z- Ziggy Poplar or something. Yeah, <laughs> Ziggles Poplar <laughs> and Driss Du Cave. Observe the, the incredibly unlikely mating rituals of the um, the the black ball dwarven clan. This yeah, this is the <laughs> yeah they're <laughs> they're plotting on how to steal all the gold to finance their lich overlord. <laughs> right. Well, and this has been <laughs> this describing has been. all the goblins. The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend about our show, or give us a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever format that it's on, it really does help. Uh, by the time this one comes out, I'll probably be playing on my Twitch channel, which is Gavin Longshanks at Twitch. Okay. Share an episode on whatever your favorite social media of choice is, and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode. Comment on the Instagram. Engage us on any 
format that you find us on, um, if you can, and send us suggestions for the monsters that you want us to cover and role-playing game stories to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And if you are compelled to toss a coin into the potion fund, we would greatly appreciate it. You can make a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And we have been chewing through your abdomen. Chewing through your abdomen. To escape the heat (laughs) of the East Texas sun. (laughs) <laughs> because that's where a lot of medieval confessions were performed to uh, East Texas. <laughs> it was uh, cowboys and cowboys and I know. Yeah, I know there was a cow. There was a medieval cowboy time. The white people came up with all the worst things. Scalping was the French. Fucking. French. Uh, yeah. Fucking French. Well, the French aren't necessarily white people. <laughs> They're French. Okay. <laughs> All right, you go over there and you tell them that. All right, I'm out of here. We're going to have to do a big old bonus on, like, medieval tortures and medieval, like, just medieval bullshit. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. All right. Yeah, just get into it. Oops, all bonus torture bullshit. Hey, dog breath, or whatever your name is, that was one lousy run. <laughs>